Hi everyone, and welcome to the official episode one of the Foreign Comics Calling Podcast. Um, delighted to be here with my, I want to call them my three foreign amigos, three guys from the from the US. <laughs> Introduce yourself, guys, in any order you want to. Go for it. Uh, Matt Royball here, aka Define Triple Nine. Really looking forward to it, guys. Yep, and uh, Stephen Bagley here, uh, aka Bago Fleas. And, uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to doing this. This is going to be fun. Right on. Yeah, and Eric Miller here as well. Uh, I need to get a handle. You guys got some cool handles. <laughs> I feel uh, unprepared. But I, I, will, I will say this. Uh, it's fun having – yeah, it is fun having Ken introduce us because he has that uh, – he has that cool accent. I mean, it comes oh, thanks, man. Whatever, whatever he says is going to come off with authority because of it, right? Um, which is great. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Matt, can I just bring something up before we properly probably get into our speaking with with our audience? You know, for years, I, of course, my mate. I always, buddy, I always thought you as uh, define nine nine nine, and I know now that I've been doing it wrong all those years. <laughs> it's define triple nine. Oh well, <laughs> well, either either way, however however you want to do it, it's it's an old it's an old moniker. I love it. I have no idea what it yep. means, but I love it. Cool. I uh, catch me catch catch me after a few THC gummies and we'll get into it. Okay. <laughs> cool. Cool. Right. So, yeah, I don't know if you you guys want me to jump in and sort of lead. We we have we have a very loose uh, structure on this one, and we're we're going to be finding our footing on these first few. So bear with us. Um, the one thing I wanted to say as a, as a slight disclaimer. At least for me personally, I don't know if you, I don't want to speak for you guys, but forgive me in advance for butchering any foreign languages or foreign words as we go forward, because I'm <laughs> sure to do that. I don't know if you guys have the same thing. I'll, I'll do my best. I'm, when it comes I'm to sure I'll be them. doing it some too, so don't feel bad. <laughs> right, right. right. Me, oh yeah. Me too. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. Me as well. Yeah. So forgive us in advance for uh, we will do our best um, in terms of pronunciations and whatnot. Um, we're always open for corrections as well, too, of course. And apologies um, to those people from those actual countries that we're about to butcher. <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, yes. It's all we from are a so festival, sorry. of course. Right. Um, a bit, you know, first thing, uh, just the name of this podcast, right? So, Ken, you came up with the name. What's the, you want to explain that? What inspired the name? Well, it's a kind of triple fold thing, really. Um, you know, Matt and me, we, we've got extremely close ties to. Um, you know, foreign comic collector. So you've got FCC right there. So I kind of wanted to stick with something similar, but not the same. So I thought foreign comics calling, that can be applied in another couple of ways, as in the foreign comics media, it's calling to us. It's wanting us to discover it. So I thought, well, yeah, that's a, quite a cool angle to think of it. And then I thought of, okay, it's still a podcast. We're calling out to you. <coughs> So it's comics calling to us, and we're just the media. Mm-hmm. We're just pushing out there for everyone. So yeah, we're all foreign comics calling. Right on, love it. I like Ooh. it. Yep, me too. Love it. I had some ridiculous uh, names, but I'll I'll dig those up for a future episode. <laughs> Great, <laughs> want to hear those? Um, so if you, it, 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 it's the FCC podcast, but it has nothing to do with the Federal Communications Commission. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. So, cool. So uh, one of the things, unfortunate acronym, right? Indeed. Right. Well, we'll we'll, we'll uh, override there. We'll take uh, 
it'll become more synonymous with us than them because we'll be so yeah. successful, right? That's the way I see it. Um, <laughs> so we uh, we put a, a note out on the Facebook page. So we have a new Facebook page. You know, please go find us there. Um, and we were seeking some listener questions. I, I pulled a few of those, and I thought that would be a good way to kick off uh, at least this episode, but probably our episodes going um, forward, maybe start off with a listener question. We'll probably go with more than one on this one because because uh, we got some great ones. Um, so if you guys are in agreement with that, let me throw out a question. No, for um, sure. Yeah. Cool. Shoot. Um, so from uh, Matthew Gabriel Truchel, and forgive me, Matthew, if I pronounce your name wrong. Um, he, he threw in a, a bunch of great questions. I don't know. Maybe I'll just pick one or two of these just so we're not kind of blowing our wide all at once. But, uh, you know, this is a good good kind of personal question. Um, what was the first non-English or foreign language, not your home language, book that you ever bought and why? Let's start with Stephen. What was the first non-English or foreign language book that you ever bought? Uh, I found a uh, Spanish edition, uh, forum publisher edition of uh, Amazing Spider-Man 300 um, at a show. And it just, um, I had just been kind of getting into uh, foreign comics, or at least, you know, starting to look into them and maybe think about trying to find some. And uh, I happened to be at a show and I saw this this Spanish edition and uh, my buddy Tim Bildhauser was at the show with me actually. And uh, we, uh, you know, I, I brought him over and said, Hey, what is this? You know, <laughs> you know, cause at the time, you know, he's, you know, he was the guy who I knew who had most of the knowledge. I was like, what is this? He's like, Oh, that's the Spanish edition, you know? <clears throat> and um, I liked it. I, I love amazing Spider-Man 300 anyway. Um, and the guy had it for a price and, uh, and Tim was like, you can talk him down some from that. So, you know, so I proceeded to do so and I got it and uh, and I really liked it. You know, it's great. It's a, it, it looks a whole lot better than what it ultimately graded out as for me. For those who don't know, I am into the grading side of the hobby uh, primarily. I collect as well, but I just I'm big into getting books signed, getting books graded, all that stuff, which which I did do with that book. Um, I actually got Todd McFarlane signed on it and I got David McDelaney. Uh, signed on it and uh, got it graded and done up and everything. So that was a thrill. That was my first real experience of actually buying a foreign and getting it in my hands and doing something with it. So mm. cool. Let me actually let me let me add. A, what a great one! Too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And let me ask. I'm going to add to Matt's question a little bit. Uh, Matthew's question. Um, so I'm going to call this one B. Um, so uh, so that was your first book you got, and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But what made it? Um, so your first book might have been a kind of a curio. I'm not going to say that. I don't want to speak for you, but what what was the jump between having one that was kind of a curio, if that's fair to use, and to like, hey, I'm going to collect foreign comics now? Uh, for me, it it kind of just sparked off a whole new thing because I knew I hadn't really gone into seeing what all was out there. I had just kind of been talking with my buddy about it and. He had just been pointing some things out and telling me, you know, this is out there and that's out there and that's out there. I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. And I, but I hadn't really, you know, I hadn't gone online and researched and looked for stuff yet. I was busy with other things. And then I just happened to go to the show and then I just saw this one. And when I saw it, it was almost like a light bulb went off because I'm like, I've been hearing little things about this and that, but I hadn't really looked into it. 
And yet here's this book staring me in the face right here at a show physically in my face. And it's like, oh, you know, and it's almost like it became real at that right. point yeah. for me. You know, it's like there really is other things out there. There really is this other whole world out there of comic collecting, you know. And it's not that I was getting tired of anything in the American market because I wasn't. But it was just almost like someone said, oh, and behind door number two, you know, <laughs> and, and door number two, it's like, hello, a whole new world, you know, and uh, and it just, you know, that that I wouldn't say that it uh, I'd say that's probably the point right there, at which I was like, I want to I want to look more into this. I really do want to start researching and looking more and finding certain books and issues and storylines and certain characters and whatever, you know, and what all the different countries are out there for them and everything. So that's kind of what sparked it for me. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So let's, let's go back to It was to fate, the... Stephen. Yeah. Fate. Follow, your fate. Follow your fate. Follow your fate. Follow your fate. Follow your fate. And, and for those of you out there who were wondering or do not know, the Spanish edition of Amazing Spider-Man 300 is actually a golden age size book. Oh, wow. No, I didn't it's know the that. same sizing as an American golden age size book. Huh. <laughs> so you had to go CGC. I had to go. No, no, it is CBCS. CBCS is oh, Golden Age size. So anything that's Golden Age size, awesome. they can do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, right. it wasn't bigger than that. If it was like magazine size, that would have been an issue with that. I would have had to go through CGC. But yeah, it was Golden Age size. So it's kind of yeah. neat to see it next oh, to. Good. A, didn't see it next to a regular American because it's a little bigger. You know. Yeah. yeah. It's a little, Comics a form. Taller. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I do want to ask about best options for forward grading. So let's let's mm. put a pin in that. So back to Matthew's question, and let's pose it to Matt now. So what was the first non-English or foreign language book you ever bought and why? Uh, Greek Spidey 252. And the why was I was just looking for a 252. And um, I was on eBay, and I came across this Greek book, and it looked awesome. And I won it for like two or three bucks. I don't even remember. <laughs> and it, it arrived and it was small. And I think I've told this story before, so I'll try to uh, do the, the Cliff Notes version. But it arrived. I researched it, found nothing, went to the CGC boards and found who I consider the two founders of this niche are um, Hector and Liam. And then from there, uh, what? so the, the answer would be basically it was the Greek 252 was the first book. And the why, the why did I did I start following that path um, was really seeing these two other collectors and this passion that they had for this book, yet no one else gave a shit. And so that intrigued me and boom, mm. that was it, man. I was on my, I was on the road. Cool. Cool. So that kind of answers that additional question I tacked on the, the how to leap from the yep. curio to the collecting. Yeah. That's mm. Cool. Mm. Um, yeah. It was the passion of two collectors. You know, uh, Stephen, as I'm sure uh, anyone that's run into Tim Bildhauser knows, you want to talk forums with that guy, he will do it, and you'll see this passion and this mm -hmm. this knowledge that then rubs off on you as it's rubbed <laughs> off. I mean, Tim has probably gotten so many people into this niche. So, it, it, uh, Stephen, I connect with your story. Mm -hmm. I, I totally um, – uh, understand it because you know, and then and that's because that's what happened to me too. Running into those two guys, their passion just made me go, Holy shit, look at this world! Yeah, yeah door number two, I'm yeah. in it. So, <laughs> and, and by the way, Liam, when you mentioned Liam, is that Liam Sturgis? 
Yes. Yes. Lightning okay. 9000. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah so yeah, that's Liam we're, is we're, an amazing guy. He's in Canada. Yeah. Both, both. Yeah. He's a, he's a Canadian. Yeah. Cool. I mean, so we're two for two on episodes and mentioning this Tim Bildhauser. I've never heard that name before. So um, I, I'll repeat once again, we need to get him on as a guest, right? So, um, Oh, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think just in general, so there's kind of one of the things that, that I have in mind and feel free to shoot me down guys, but you know, I'm, I'm as, as the newbie, I'm trying to somewhat be uh, a guy through you know, anyone new coming to this might sort of be behind the questions I'm asking. Like I'm, you know, that's what I'm trying to represent. So, you know, if if you're mentioning it, if you're name dropping, don't I don't know the names you're necessarily name dropping. So, you know, let's let's think a little bit in terms of like 101 new new collectors, new listeners coming to this. Right? Yes, so, yeah. so makes perfect yeah, sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so cool. So moving on, Ken, that question to you: What was the first non-English? foreign language book that you bought mm, seriously or non-seriously non-seriously it would have to be when i was uh, in germany for a little short holiday buying a, a copy of fantastic and Veer, just because i loved superheroes but i was bored didn't understand the thing about it yeah. and then cut forward many many years and uh i bought a little bundle of avengers west coast west coast avengers comics and in tucked amongst that little lot i bought was an uh, italian Avengers West Coast, West Coast Avengers comic. And it was the one with uh, the original Human Torch busting out of the grave. <laughs> right, right, right. Such a fantastic oh, okay. I thought, wow, what? So what is this? This wasn't done in... And don't forget, I, I didn't order this comic from this eBay buyer. He just sent it in as a little, little here, what do you think of this sort of thing? Feel free to have it, etc. And I thought, well, wow, the cover's brilliant, but it's on a Captain America book with a West Coast Avengers, Avengers West Coast story inside. And utilizing the cover, so the the initial craziness of it all chucked into one issue, and branded Capitan America. It was like, what is this? I've got to find <laughs> out more, and that's Great. just what I did. I just ordered some more, a few more caps, American caps of the same buyer. I said, what else have you got? Italian Captain America wise. And he just, this is what I've got. So I bought a few more, and it, then it just escalated, and it was like the light bulb is. Well, Italy can't be really doing, be the only country doing this. What else is out there? And then in came the Greeks, in came the French Canadians, and then the Germans proper. <laughs> <laughs> and then this, this whole monster has just enveloped my life. Awesome. I'm trying to get free, but the sickness won't let me. <laughs> it's right. taken over and... Ken's comic collecting <laughs> soul. Oh, sure. <laughs> and neither will we now. So, um, yeah, cool. So, uh, moving on to Matthew Gabriel's uh, next uh, question. Um, again, same sequence, start with Stephen. Tell us about the big one that got away. Uh, not really sure on that. Uh, I haven't really had a big one necessarily that got away. The only one that I typically, when I'm looking for books, I'm, I'm unlike uh, Matt and Ken, I'm sure, who do a lot of their buying and through research and through people in some of these other countries and other things and stuff like that. Most of my acquisitions have been done at shows here in America, um, which limits a little bit what I can get access to. I haven't, I need to get a little more into, you know, reaching out into some of these guys who are actually in some of these other countries and seeing, you know, what else is out, you know, that I can maybe get my hands on. But um, I'd say the only thing I saw 
at a show that I thought thought long and hard about picking up and then ultimately just didn't. And now I'm kind of like, you know, eh, well, I probably should have. It was a foreign edition of uh, Batman Adventures 12 with the first Harley Quinn. Um, and I can't honestly remember which ed- foreign edition it was. I've since picked up a couple of others. I have a German edition and I have a Spanish edition or whichever one it is, uh, Zinco. Yeah, the Zinco. Mm. Zinco, yeah. I have the Zinco edition and I have a, a German edition um, that I've acquired since then. So now I kind of look back on that and I'm like, I kind of wish I'd pick up that other one because it was a different edition. I don't remember which one offhand. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that'd be probably the closest thing to saying being something that I saw that I could have picked up and I decided to not to. And then later I was like, I wish I could have, should have picked that up. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh- how about you, Matt, in your travels? What's the big one that got away? Um, the big one that got away for me would be uh, the Mexican Avengers one in the Sorprendente Hombre mm-hmm. Rana run. Um, mm-hmm. I had a chance. Well, it was, a, it was a local American seller, and he had some beautiful Mexican books. And I had to choose. I only had so much money. I had to choose between... The La Prenza Daredevil one, which is the green cover one that's really neat looking. Mm. And that uh, Hombre Rana um, Avengers one within the Spidey run, the La Prenza, And he wanted 200 for each of them. Now, this is way back then when, when 200 for a Silver Age Mexican key was still quite a lot. Yeah. So at the time, I... And they were raw. They weren't slabs. So I decided on the Mexican Daredevil one because I liked the fact that it had a green cover instead of the white. I liked how La Prenza the... And I passed on the Avengers one. And it was so nice. <coughs> I think that it would probably grade in... It'd probably be within a 7.5 and an 8.5. That book would easily be a $1,000 book yeah. today. Yeah. And I left it for $200. Two hundred dollars. I left it. That would be the biggie for me. Mm, Bummer. How about you, Ken? Any any tales of the big one that got away for you? Well, to be honest, no. What I tend to do is, I I buy it and worry about how to pay for it later. That's the honest. (laughs) That's the honest (laughs) truth. You know, (laughs) man, you're sick, Ken. (laughs) I know, and I'm so well. Yeah, no, nothing really. I mean, there was, um, yeah, Sinister Tales 23, first UK Iron Man. And that was like, oh, man, that's a lot of money. But I've never seen another one before, or to be fair, since. So I thought, yep, okay, let's press that button. Let's do it. So I bought it and saved up a little bit. And it's true to form. I've not seen another copy since. So if you see it, buy it, even though you can't quite afford it. Try and do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's yeah. a that's like a fine line that everyone has. It's to a very fine with line, yeah. Personally, absolutely. right? Like, yeah. you know, yeah. What if you never see it again? Like, there's so there's this is the scarcity of some of these is so. This um, is true. I mean, a few yeah. years ago, where uh, there's a Mexican seller, I know his name as Matt knows his name, but he was selling a complete run of Capital America, La Prensa, and it was like this is way out of my pay scale. Well, it's an adult channel. Fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> so I came up with a deal. Where I was like buying piecemeal. It was really like buying like one or two books a month for about about a year. 
until I got them all. So to, I did it. And it was wise because some of those early caps are tough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. True. It's just some of those early uh-huh. friends of caps are tough. Yeah. You see, the way I go about buying things is if I see somebody selling a set, I, I, I can't pick. I can't say, well, I have issues 4, 12, and 17. I'll have like, I'll have 1 to 21. Can you help me out with the money? <laughs> Some sort of thing, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, everybody has a fine line of how much they're willing to step up to that line or back away a little bit or just jump the hell over that line, you know? Unfortunately, I'm the latter. I tend to just like jump and get it and worry about it later. <laughs> right. I fully, so, anyone, fully appreciate. anyone listening, if you're ever faced in that situation where you have the big one, like, you know, contact Ken. He'll be the devil on the shoulder that'll say, go for it. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, right. No, you're not. Nah, do it. Uh, do it. Cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, moving on with the question. So, what um, this is from Maria Elisa, and she asked after the Mexican and Brazilian markets, which is the most important market to follow? And I'll just kind of open that to anybody. Mm. That, that's tricky if we're talking sort of monetary terms after Brazil and after Mexico mm. that's toughy. it is a toughie because everything's sort of spread out I mean I'd say Colombia Chile is like really hard to find yes you know, Philippines yeah, national Phil- bookstore edition but, exactly yeah but at the same at the same time guys if, if you're one of the reasons I think the Mexican and Brazilian markets are so high up there and are so visible is because they did so much stuff. Mm-hmm. So there, a content amount has a lot to do with this. Whereas like Columbia and some of the other ones, even though they're rare and, and those books can go for a lot of money, they, there's not a whole lot of content that we can find. So if you think of it in that way, I would say Australia yeah, that's because true. Australia had so much, um, oh. I mean, they had they had different publishers printing the same book. You know, the Conan one would be a good example where you had both the 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 Newton and the Yaffa. Mm. So maybe that's a way to look at it. Mm. Within the same uh, uh, time frame, they would print the same title, or like years later. Kind of, I think, relatively within the same same time frame, you had Newton and Yaffa all working uh, around the same time. I think. I think the Yaffas might be. A little bit, either earlier or later. I, I I don't know exactly, but if if it's if you're talking about like if you're talking about money spent and amount on books, there is a significantly huge Australian and New Zealand back issue market that contain non-U.S. books. Whether you be a freak and you're going like Ernie Lasco going after every greedown whore he can find, mm-hmm. or some of these guys that are trying to put together runs where they need spidey ones and conan ones and and they or you know and so they're hunting all the newton yaffa stuff or or if you're talking about australian price variants that are copper age so you know i think that's why the mexican and and brazilian markets are so visible is because they did so much shit especially brazil back in the golden age and so australia would come up next i think as far as or maybe some of the European markets too, like Germany or Italy that did a lot. Because there were European countries that didn't do a whole lot. I'd say the Dutch would be an example. Yeah, it's a press. Um, yeah, I, I mean, so I don't know. 
I would have to go simply because of quantity and money being spent. I'd go with Australia. Mm, that's very good. What do you guys think? What uh, do you guys yeah. think? I think that's that's spot on. Actually, I mean, I, yeah. there is one that there is one that got away from Australia that I, I just didn't get. Some person <laughs> snapped it up before I got to it, and that is the Avengers Horwitz, which is I got that gorgeous yellow background. Oh yeah, isn't that that's lovely? Those the... Horowitz are amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, I have a. Uh... I have one particular book from Australia that uh, I came across when I was at uh, C2E2 in Chicago a couple of years ago. Um, and if, I will say this, um, and this is sort of going off topic just a little, but when it comes to these other countries, whether you're talking about Brazil or Mexico, especially um, Australia, anywhere. Uh, one of the things that I've kind of gotten into a little more in the last few years is romance books. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we can go into the stuff with cultural bias and trying to get things in the certain ways that people look at things and trying to get someone else to find stuff for you on those things later. But I was, I, I was at C2E2 and I found a, the guy who had like, he had like a, about half of a short box of foreigns and I'm going through them and I come across this romance book called Love Lessons and I'm looking at it and it's in really nice shape. I was actually very surprised because uh, I was looking inside of it. It turns out this book was from 1953. Oof. It's an Australian hmm. edition from Barmore Publications. And uh, hmm. it's, it's got a neat cover on it. It's got like a couple in the... I'll, I'll, I'll post a picture of it on the Facebook page so everyone can see the book I'm talking about later. Um, but it's got a couple inside of a cabin with winter outside. They're kissing it. This guy comes in from out in the cold, staring at him like, oh, you're in trouble now, you know, <laughs> uh, one of those kind of things. Uh, yeah, and it's a yellow yellow background cover. Uh, but I noticed that on the very, right across the title, Love Lessons, right across it is a stamp. And the stamp says, foreign file copy. Oh. That caught my eye. Nice. Because I, love, I love date stamps. I love anything kind of stamp like that. Mm. So this turns out to be a, an Australian file copy with the company Barmore Publications. And the guy had it for like 20 bucks. It was in beautiful shape. Oh, bye, bye, bye. It was in beautiful shape. And I was just like, I'm not passing this one up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd be, I think I'd be a fool to do so. In fact, not only am I not passing it up, I'm going to submit it to get graded, which I did. And it actually got an 8.5, <laughs> which, which nice. for any, any romance book is high. Yeah, which for any romance book is high, let alone a foreign mm. romance book. Um, yeah, so that was that's the Australian edition that I got, and so even you're talking about, you know, Australians being uh, editions being plentiful or being more out there. There's more exposure to them, more of a sales market out there for them because there's more of it. Um, that's exactly one, that's one from even way back in the golden age, um, Australian edition from a publication back then. So, yeah, Australia is. I mean, their their depth, their breadth of amount of foreign editions uh, or foreign books based on American books is huge, man. Yeah. All you got to do is go to AussieReprints.com. Let me, let me call them out yeah. um, and just explore. You'll find so much stuff. Yeah. So I think the answer to that question really is if you're talking about sheer exposure and sales market, Australia is probably right up there. Um, but if you're talking about value, uh, you're talking about the rarer stuff. That's maybe not quite as much exposure. You know, like the yeah, like the Philippine exactly. editions and things like that that are much harder to find. Yep, or South know. Africa, or South Africa, or South yeah. Africa. Mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> Indeed, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the built into that question, there's this assumption of the Mexican and Brazilian markets being the hottest. So I may ask a bit about the why. So um, for my perception, is that largely because, well, I guess, Matt, you kind of talked about a little bit just the breadth of the, the books they put out over the years and stuff, but the mm-hmm. non-canon stuff, the Spider-Man non-canon stuff, got a lot of mainstream press in the last whatever two, three years. Is that a huge catalyst for why that that market is hot, or you know why a lot of people are jumping um, into this hobby? What you think? No, you know what? One of the reasons why I think the Mexican market in particular is so hot is because for the longest time it was stuck in Mercado Libre. Yeah, it was stuck there, and what's happened? <coughs> excuse me. What's happened recently is a lot of those Mexican sellers of that material had said, had said, what am I doing selling on Mercado here in Mexico when I can sell this same book for four or five times on American eBay? So as American eBay, as we started to see more Mexican material come to market, because um, think about it. Mercado was – it might as well be uh, a candy store where you don't have any money as a kid because in so many ways it's hard for Americans to get into the Mercado auction system um they you know they they use a different uh payment processor they don't use they use a competitor to paypal so the last thing they want is a bunch of americans trying to use paypal in mercado at least that was my understanding of it the way it used to be a long time ago so a long time ago the mexican market was sort of hard to break into now you're seeing these sellers like these guys selling the non-cannons recently or a lot of or the guy that uh, ulysses that came to the market was selling a lot of the studio hng books that he had you're seeing these you're seeing a lot of this mexican material show up on american ebay where it's easy for american money to get at it right that's why i think the mexican market has exploded a little bit it's not just from the exposure of the non-canons i think it a lot of it is related to just access yep i totally agree with that yep yeah i think the mexican sellers they just got wise you know exactly Right on. Cool. So let, let me uh, wrap up the. And Matthew Gabriel sent in a few other great questions, but I, like I said, let's save a, a few of them for a subsequent episode. So let's close out with one a more listener question, which is from Ohm Roy. And this this maybe leads into a little bit of what I want to ask you guys about foreign comic collecting 101. So I, uh, after this question, I want to kind of spring into that. But his question is, you know, what makes a foreign comic valuable in U.S. collecting circles? Um, I'll start with Steven on that one. Hmm. Uh, there's no real one thing. Uh, it really right. just comes down to a number of different factors. And it just depends on the collector, you know, and the <laughs> market that's out there of people who are looking for something in particular. Because there's a number of different ways to collect foreign books, just like there's a number of ways to collect in any collectible that you get involved in. Um, you know, it could be because you're after a specific character. It could be after... You're after a particular storyline or a first appearance or a specific cover. There could be all kinds of different reasons why, um, you know, but, you know, the foreign market in America and in the UK and some of these other countries that have been more inundated with the comic book stuff is it's just as more and more people are getting into it and realizing it's there, you're going to start seeing more demand because it has to do with supply and demand, too. You know, and these foreign books, you know, they just like like Ken likes to say, you know, this, you know or you know, when you see it, you get it because most of the time you may never see it again. Um, and 
so really just the value just comes into what is it yet you're after and how often do you see this around to be able to get your hands on it um so mm-hmm. it really just comes down to the individual collector uh but i will say that as a general rule you're seeing foreign comics in the american marketplace go up and up and up in value it's starting to creep up you know um as more and more people are becoming aware of it and getting involved in it or starting to want to get it um so i mean as far as the reasoning like i say it could be a number of things anybody want to add to that uh well yeah i think i'd like to add just a little bit to that is that i think the the first thing that the americans go for on a foreign comic it's obviously a major cover Mm -hmm. i don't think they'll just troll and gets any old foreign comic cover it'll be something like spidey 129 uh you know tales of suspense 39 if they see a foreign with that particular image it's in their mindset it'll be they'll, they'll home in on it so i think it's all the big key books first and then everything just trickles down after that but it's always the big ones first but of course you also, i'd agree you also have to be careful though because sometimes you may pick up a book that has that cover that's not the story that's in that book. Oh, indeed, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, there's that. And also there is um, date of printing. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we, we noticed pretty early on, I think, was uh, foreign books that were printed the closest to the American print date tend to be a little more uh, valuable in the sense that they're, 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 they're wanted more. In a way, so I'll give you an example. Um, the first 129, Ken, speaking to your uh, comment, the first foreign 129 we think was the edition's heritage, and it actually came out before the Mexican Mac did. Mm. Um, and so, so I think date of printing. So you could have, you know, a key book that it has value. It's a foreign edition, but if if it was printed really far away from when the American was printed, it better be a really rare book yeah. in order to hold some value, sort of similar to the Finnish Mail Away 129. That was printed in like the early 90s, I think. Mm-hmm. But it is so, there was printed in such low numbers, it holds a lot of its value. So, yeah, that's, that's what I would add to that too, is it's, it's about what people are looking for and, and also, um, how old it is and how close to the original American published date. And then, you know, uh, rarity print, print run rarity and supposed rarity would be another one. Yeah. And since you mentioned that, I'll also add to that for those of you who are new, uh, who are listening to this podcast, because you're trying to find things out and get a better feel for what's going on with the foreign comics and the foreign marketplace. One of the things you have to be careful about and to get out of your head, because for years and years and years and years, you would hear people say this, you know, oh, this is a German edition of something. And they'd be like, oh, that's just a German reprint. That's just a reprint. No, 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 no. It's not a reprint. It's like, and you have to get it out of your head that some of these foreign editions, that they're reprints because they're not reprints. There are foreign reprints, but the first time something is printed in German Germany, for example, uh, of a character, it might have been 10, 15, 20 years after the American one was printed. But it's the first, it's a German edition, and it's considered a first printing of that book for that character with that issue in that country. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. It, is a first, it is a first print. You may not, it is not a reprint. I mean, now, because they may being, have 
Sing it, brother. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. they may have it later where, like, let's just, I don't, just say, for example, let's say a book came out in 1970. And then German Germany came around, and German, a German publisher published it in 1980. Okay, well that's 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 the first print. That's a you know that's not a reprint. That's a first print. However, that same publisher or another publisher down the line, maybe 15 years from there, reprinted that same thing again in Germany. Now that might be considered a foreign reprint. Exactly. But yeah. but those initial ones, yeah. those initial ones that come out, you got to understand, they are not reprints, guys. They are first prints. German edition. Yeah. They're they're German edition. Yes. Awesome. Let me explore that. First print German edition. Yep. Yeah. So let me let me explore that a little bit. So now we're getting into like what I wanted to cover, which is a little bit of one oh one stuff, right? (laughs) So um to your to what you're explaining there, Stephen. Um so to use an example of that, like in Germany there was a publisher called Hit Comics that ran Fantastic Four closer mm-hmm. to the original dates. And then later there was a company called Williams that ran it again. It started with issue one after that. So you would consider that first Hit Comics, the first print. Would you consider that Williams one a reprint? It depends on what it is they're printing. You know, yeah. if what they're if what they're printing is the same story that was printed in a previous one from the previous publisher then yeah, that would probably be considered a, a foreign reprint or a German reprint. Yeah, you've got, um, the, I think, sorry for buttoning, but I think you've got to think of it as if it's an exact clone of that issue, then it's a reprint. It's not a separate edition, is it? Because it's, yeah. it, it's a clone. Yeah. Well, yeah, and now, now we're getting into like that gray area, right? Yeah. Where there would be some within the hobby, I would think, that would consider it the Williams, the later version, because maybe it was translated differently. This is where we get into the all into some weird shit too, because <laughs> it, it, you, a reprint means it's pretty much exactly the same thing. Maybe the title changed a little bit, like the Marvel Tales and the Marvel Run, right? Mm-hmm. But even some of these foreigns, um, even if a different publisher did it, did did it 10 years later, like let's say ger- a different German publisher did it 10 years later, they might've changed the translation might've changed or that's true. Uh, some other elements that were massive might've changed. So there would be some people that would just consider it, uh, you know, the, the Williams Verlag. Yeah. Right. Edition. edition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, cause, so cause that, we get in. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, yeah. t- that's a gray area. Yeah. It might be like, a German edition, but it's from a different publisher. So it's considered that publisher edition rather than, you know, German yeah, because we're getting more into into the book hobby. Because the book hobby deals with this in that way too, right? You have soft cover, hard cover, mm-hmm. uh, all this different shit. And when a when a when a different publisher in a different country does say Mark Twain, but they use some really rare print prints in it or something, mm-hmm. it it changes the whole scope. So it's almost like, in some ways, I've thought about this and thought we almost need to get reprint out of the foreign yeah. edition world. Like the classification just, mm. I almost feel like it needs to just go away. Reprint needs, needs to go away. I would be exactly. perfectly fine what do you, that. What do you guys think? Oh, I totally agree with you, Matt. Yeah. No such thing as reprints, really. Yeah, I mean. Because in our hobby, reprint has a negative connotation. Negative connotation from the get-go. Sure. Mm. Right. Mm. Well, reprint might yeah. be, there's also, there's also the time. So if I, Going back to my Fantastic Four in Germany example, right? So if, you know, one of the ones I collect is 52 Black Panther, right? So the Hit Comics version of that has unique inking on it, whereas the Williams comic version of that has unique inking on it. So those are different in my view. 
neither would be a reprint by my definition. It sounds like kind of yours as well. But if they compile that into a trade in like, you know, the year 2010 or something, right? That would probably, yeah. I would yeah. classify yeah. that as mm-hmm. a reprint, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I would agree with that totally. And then there's even some stuff that's even beyond that. For example, I have an Italian edition of uh, New Mutants number one. I'm a big New Mutants fan. Um, and they actually printed the book. You can get an Italian New Mutants number one. But they also went back later and they took issue number one, two, three, and four. And Man-Thing issue one, two, three, and four. And they bound them all together and put them in one big edition that on the front has the New Mutants number one cover. It's really thick because it's literally it's eight comics inside of one. But if you look at it, you can see where they literally it's like they took the covers off and literally just bound all the issues <laughs> together and put them in this one book. Mm. I don't... You know, and that's yeah, that's a whole like the collected edition. Yeah, it's like a whole different thing. You know, it's kind of hard yeah. to really say what's like a bound edition. You know, this is what makes yeah. the uh, the foreign comics collecting hobbies so so special there's so many curios and curiosities out there they're yeah, so dude. so different exactly you know? ken it's not black or white there's a lot of gray in yeah. there so, there, and, so um, there there is a bit of like defining how you want to collect oh yeah, yeah. exactly mm-hmm. yep yeah so let's get into another aspect of that would be you know and you guys already hinted on is the covers versus stories right so you know um, yep talk about talk about that divide uh, matt um well that divide happened simply because the publishers decided they were going to do whatever the hell they wanted to do yep. they didn't give a shit if the covers matched the guts you know for americans we that matters to us and so what you end up with uh let's say you were building the spider-man 300 set and uh, you have Spider-Man 300s that don't use the cover. Uh, a good example would be the Portuguese Abril. They use like an interior panel or something on the cover. Yeah. Well, what is that? Is that, a, is that a Portuguese 300? I would say yes. But a, another collector might say, no, it's lacking the cover. Mm-hmm. right? And then um, at, in the instance of the Cabanas Hellas Marvel's Greek, Greeks, you know, Cabanas Hellas it was infamous for not matching interior guts to cover. <laughs> yeah. So what about the Iron Man 55 uh, um, Cabanas Hellas Greek? Is that an Iron Man 55 edition? For me, I believe that it is because it has the, the cover is very important, right? Mm. But another collector would say, no, it doesn't. It doesn't have the guts. You're a fool. So, yeah, we're into that gray area. You know, it, and, and, and the beauty of this niche is it's so new and everyone is still kind of finding their way is there are no defined parameters. We're making this shit up as we go. Guys. <laughs> or, we're, or we're finding it out as we go. Yeah. Or teasing it out, finding it out, debating it out, you name it. Uh, right. I mean, you're so right about the, the Greek Cabanas Hellas stuff. I mean, all the Captain yeah. America stuff that I've got from, from that stable. Wow. It's so wacky. I mean, there's so many covers where they just take a panel Blow it up, use it on the front cover. Yeah, it's incredible. And also, they got um, you know they'll they'll pick one cover, and then four or five months down the line, they run out of things to do. So they use the same cover. Yeah, they'll re- Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, what, what have I done? Have I bought the wrong issue? No, the numbers are different. And then there's and subtle, subtle changes on the top header. They'll put a different color up there. 
Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And also, like, for example, let's say you're after a particular story. You're after the first appearance of this character or the first this of that character. Mm. And sometimes sometimes you can go to the foreign editions and you'll find the cover and you're like, OK, that's that book. And most of the time that story's in that book somewhere, maybe with other stories from other books. Once in a while, it may not. But what's really funny is, like, if you, for example, and I'll give you an example of this. Uh, actually, the very same show that I found that romance Australian at, I also found a Batman issue. This was a couple of years ago. And I saw the issue and it drew my eye because here's the other thing about this, guys. And you know this. There are some of these other countries, they get their own artists to do covers. They'll either do swipes of covers that are the American version. So it looks like the American version, but there's something different about it because it's a whole different piece of art done by a different artist. Mm -hmm. Or it's just an entirely like this particular Batman issue. It drew my eye. And the reason it drew my eye, because in the front cover, it had Batman punching out a clown. Which I can say I felt like doing sometimes. But hey, here it is. Here's Batman himself. He's literally socking it to a clown on the cover. And I was like, what is this? And I was like, I, could, I wasn't really sure. Maybe it was something bootleg. Maybe it was this. Maybe it was that. I wasn't really sure. But what really drew me was when I pulled it out to look at it, on the back, turns out it's a wraparound cover. And on the back of the cover, it's basically got this circus parade going on behind the two that are fighting on the front. And you can see some of the shocked looks of the people on the uh, behind them, like going, oh, my God, what's this person doing? Um, and but, yeah, it's Batman punching out a clown. It's a really neat wraparound cover. And there's nothing to indicate this because I'm just looking at this book. That's what drew me to the book. It's obviously not a cover that was ever done here in America. Uh, that's plain. Mm -hmm. that's, that's plain to see. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until I got home from that show and I started looking inside the book at the, what stories were in it that all of a sudden it struck me what one of the two stories that were in this book were the first Silver Age Two-Face appearance mm. story is in this book. So it's got nice. the first Silver Age appearance of Two-Face, uh, which if many of you know, has like Batman on, tied to the front of a ship, you know, in the big, to the front of the ship, yeah, yeah. the big ghost face of, you know, Two-Face, you know, in the background, you know. Uh, a lot of people know this. It's a, it's a key book. A lot of people go after that book. Um, and there's nothing on this book that would give you any indication of that. And yet inside that book, there's the first appearance issue story of Two-Face. So if you're the person who's going after all those first appearances of Silver Age appearances of Two-Face, you want to find all of these. Most of the time, you'll just be after the covers. But if you're a real hardcore, true completionist, that you want all the foreign editions of the first Silver Age appearance of Two-Face, this book would fall in that category and nobody would know it unless you just knew it. Mm. I, mean, yep. I mean, my buddy Tim. Stephen, can I ask you? Can yeah. I ask you, is it a Scandinavian book? It is a is Netherlands, Scandinavian? It's Netherlands edition. Yep. It's from the publisher, <laughs> William, yep. Williams Lector. Yeah, they did some, they did, the Scandinavian countries had some artists that redid uh, some Batman that are super neat. That's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, I, I can do, I'll throw up a picture of this one on the Facebook page later as well for people to see. But yeah, yeah, I'd love to see it. I, I mean, I got it signed by Michael Golden because one of the issues that's in it is from Batman number 295, uh, which Michael Golden did the artwork in. So I got Michael Golden to sign it. And then the other one, of course, is that first Silver Age Two-Face. 
which which was written by Denny O'Neill. I got Denny O'Neill to sign the book as well, and I got it graded. Nice. It's uh, if, if you want to know, it's Batman One Thirty Three Netherlands Editions, published by Williams Lecter in nineteen eighty one. And it was just it was just one of those weird things where I was just going through. I was like, hey, this actually has a key story in it. And, That's awesome. And you wouldn't know it to look at the front. You'd have no idea. Amazing. Sweet. You would have to know it. You, you can't collect it, what you don't it's know. It's something exists. you just have to know, you know. Exactly. That's why the network is so important in our, in our hobby. You, you don't get shit unless you ask people. And people pitch in with what they know. And then you, you just build up the knowledge. You, you, you yep. can, you, yep. It's like me and Matt have talked about this before. You can't be in our hobby a lone wolf. You can't. No. It, it can't be. Nope. Done. You have to make friends. You have to speak to others. Definitely, you know. And that's what that's what kind of drew me also to this thing was uh, it, it our our little section of the comic book world is more closely resembles, and I know I say this till I'm blue in the face, it more closely resembles the way it used to be in the 60s. I agree, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. Yep, yep. When you had to know people and you had to go to shows and you had to put yourself out there, there was no hiding in Mama's Basement comic collector <laughs> in that in There was that no time. Google to go to to get your instant information yep. for what you need to know about something. You had, to, you had to have social skills. And for the longest time in our hobby, you didn't. You don't need social skills. You only need money. Mm, true. Well, yeah. on our side of the pool, you've got to have social skills, which is neat. I think. Yeah. And that's because, and that's because still, even today, with all the social media and Google and everything, all the knowledge that's out there, there is still an enormous amount of information about all this foreign stuff that nobody knows. And you can't just go Truth. on Google and type out this edition of this book and expect to get any significant amount of true information about what it is, when it was, why it was, where it was, what it's got, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, especially if you're doing it in English or the language of, of oh, your yeah. birth. Yeah. You're not going to find it. So that, mm-hmm. that makes it harder too. Yep. You got to know, you know, <laughs> I tell new guys all the time. I'm like, what book are you looking for? Oh, I'm looking for the Spider-Man 300. Do you know how to say it in Italian? Do you know how to say Lomo Ragno? Mm-hmm. Uh, I never thought to do it that way. Well, shit, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you've got to, you've got to figure out the, the what that title you're looking for and the number, in its foreign language, and you've got to save it. Save it in a text file. So well, I tell you what, because that's how you're gonna do it. Ken's handy tip number one. Okay, say you're looking for something in a foreign language, and you know it's on eBay. You, you go to that country's eBay store. You find the listing that you want, and then you copy the item listing, listing number. And then you go back to your country's eBay, ebay.com, or in my case, ebay.co.uk, and then you enter that number in the search tab, you press the enter button, magically it all appears in your language. Nice. Yeah, that's a great it's tip. It's a cracking tip, yeah. that is. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Enjoy. All the new guys need to learn that stuff. Yeah. Yep. And, and then, you know, as you get into the more advanced stuff, there are literally online OCRs, oh, yeah. so you can take a foreign book as long as you've got it, as long as it's a nice, clear example of it, and you can go onto websites and you can OCR that. It'll OCR foreign languages for you, mm. so you can at least OCR that uh, that that cover and hopefully be able to grab editable text, editable foreign text you can then use to search. Absolutely. That's one Absolutely. another trick. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can, you can buy those um, OCR optical character recognition 
uh, tools. You can buy them like handheld little little things. Fit the palm of your hand. Just scan that page. Yeah, you put it on your pay on your phone. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, guys, I'm gonna have to give you my five minute warning. Yep, <laughs> I, we're hitting getting close to an hour, but I promised my wife there's this uh, there's this craft fair that cool. she wants me to go with her, and I promised her. So, don't worry, I'm I'm five minutes. I'm five minutes out. No means do you. I want you guys to stop, but yeah, I'm we, going to bounce. We were, aiming, we were aiming for an hour anyway. To be fair, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is probably Here's a perfect a little... place yeah. to, to end our fantastic episode yeah. number one. So Actually, let's uh, let me uh, let me do some closing stuff if you guys don't mind. Cool. So and there's I, a little bit. Go you, for it. You, you can edit all that out, Ken. Yeah. Um, so I mean, this is awesome, and again, we're just scratching the surface. We, you know, we didn't quite get into the full 101 stuff, but you, there's a lot of stuff to learn. There's a lot of, you know, define how you want to collect. There's a lot of options. There's a lot of countries. I want to, as we go forward, I want to start to profile publishers, countries. You know, a billion topics that you guys even touched on. So. I think it's all foreign, the grading options, things like that. How important is condition if you're a collector, right? In Ken's case, you know, buy it every time you see it. How important is like <laughs> impulse control, right? Um, yeah, Ken is, uh, got, he'll, got, he's the enemy of your wife. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And your partner. Uh, how much did this coffee yeah. cost? Take away two the, decimal places. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I want to, one of the questions I want to ask and, and start thinking about this, maybe for the next episode, um, what, what is the biggest mistake a new collector can make? So, um, you know, mm-hmm. we're talking about some tips and things like that. That So put that in your thinking cap. Well, here's a, a, I've got a half answer to that. <coughs> okay. The, the half answer is rusty staples or not rusty staples. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll leave you with that. Okay, so let's get let's get into yeah. that on on the next one. So let's, you know, yeah, let's let's do some plugs. Like let's close it out. So you know, Ken, your website is kenworthing.com. Go check him out there. Right. Perfect. Um, Matt, do you have anything that you want to plug? Um, I've been really hitting my Instagram hard lately. Define nine 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 on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram, and I'm posting foreign books daily. I, I've just there's something about it. The whole just photo the image yeah. format and i don't have to go write a whole bunch i'm digging it so right now uh instagram i heard it was define triple nine is it define nine define triple nine define uh, okay. nine 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 <laughs> all right hey, Steven, anything hey anything i'm working wanna... on a i'm working on a rap track rap track right now okay cool well, i can't believe it or not can't wait to hear right. that. um it's Steven. gonna be on foreign comics <laughs> oh nice um Stephen, anything you want to plug make mention i'm just i'm on instagram uh bag of b-a-g-o-f-l-e-a-s um i'm also on facebook Stephen bagley but most of my comic stuff you'll see me posting about or everything will be with my uh, signature facilitation company which is tgr comics and that's both on facebook and on instagram at tgr comics perfect nice perfect and i think we should always close awesome. with uh with plug in the show so you can find us thanks to ken's brilliant work um you can find mm-hmm. us on itunes yes. you can find us on breaker i think it was we recorded yep. anchor you can find us there spotify and pretty much spotify right pretty much wherever you can find podcasts you can find us absolutely and i encourage you uh if you do you know if you appreciate what we're doing please leave a rating a review you know it uh we don't get paid to do this. It kind of feeds our souls. So leave us a rating or review wherever you find us. Yep. Spread the word. Tell your friends. And find us on Facebook as well. Um, for yep. Comics Calling Podcast. Go go check us out. Say hi. Cool. 
Awesome. Well, thank uh, you guys. This any, was any fun, guys. Yeah, great. Thoughts? Uh, closing thoughts. Wait, say that again. Any closing clo- thoughts. Yeah, okay. any closing thoughts? Let's spread this disease. <laughs> <laughs> Can't stop yep. that. I like that. I like that. Thank you. Spread the disease. Ken is a typhoid Mary. <laughs> <laughs> And I'd like to thank I'd like to thank my my friends, you guys rock, Eric, Steven, Ken, loving it. I'm really excited about this show. Can't wait to go forward. Keep hunting, guys. Yep. Cool, 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 cool. Beautiful.